Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today, we talked about the challenge of mentoring junior DevOps engineers with a specific focus on how do we have junior people building the right skills to do advanced automation, system administration, and actually building systems that are resilient and robust. And from that, understanding that that is a learned skill, one that's predominantly learned by doing the work, uh, troubleshooting. And we started the conversation really talking through troubleshooting and, and how to teach troubleshooting and find opportunities for that. But we transformed the discussion into the challenge of teaching people skills that they then walk away with. That as you're mentoring people, you're increasing their value and potentially giving them the keys to leave and find a better job. Uh, and we talked about this as an industry trend and some expectations on what you can do about it and how you can approach that situation. So overall, a very robust conversation about building great teams through junior engineers and what it takes to be uh, thorough and complete in a process like that, both from what you can do and what you have to watch out for. I know you'll appreciate the conversation. The topic for today is uh, mentoring junior people. So, and I can frame this a little bit and why, how we added it in here is, you know, if you're going to build a, an operations team that operates stuff, right? Seniority and experience are really, really important, but it's hard to find good people. It's even harder to have good people who want to sort of turn the crank on ops. Uh, so you have to, we have to, as an industry, bring junior people into the environment, but getting them the experience, getting them up to speed, you know, giving them the keys to turn things on and off, um, to me feels a little overwhelming. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, how can we practically expand the ranks of, of operators and even better you know, people who are DevOps and automation focused on. It is a tough uh, thing to to answer, uh, but um, yeah, um, it, it it depends a lot on the person because um, you gotta first engender interest in the DevOps practices. You gotta provide training. Um, you got to provide an, an environment where the training can be applied. Um, so can it be done at the company level? Perhaps, uh, or at least you, you can make some people more DevOps capable, but this needs to be done firstly at, at the educational level. I mean, uh, but we don't educate people for ops, <laughs> right? I mean, you're, we don't. 
don't I mean, you can get a degree in security. I haven't seen any even hint of a degree in DevOps or, I mean, I guess out of, you know, VMware and vendor specific stuff, you can get certificates. Actually, no, you can go and get a um, RCSE, the Red Hat. Our team has a lot of respect for people with an RCSE, whatever the RSCE. RHCSA, Red Hat Certified System Administrator. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think the, so obviously you have the, that initial education, whether it be a computer science degree or whether it be, let's say a more operations focused degree. So I went to, uh, ITT tech out of high school focused on computer network systems was the, the degree. And so as the, an associate, so I mean, there's definitely junior colleges that that are aligned with that. Uh, it's definitely not as sexy or as appealing um, as a, a computer science degree. Uh, I think a handful are offering more operations-centric degrees from a, let's say, university perspective. Uh, so I think there's always going to be that gap until there's a stronger push to say, okay, you know what? We do need folks that are going down the, the computer science path which isn't for everyone. Everyone's not going to be a, a, a full-time developer, um, but that's, that's where the, the academia has, I would say, gravitated to and sees the most value in as opposed to, hey, here's a four-year degree that includes some of the stuff from the CS track, but also does include things that are more operation-centric. And ideally, you would have potentially a number of classes that would overlap those two groups so that literally you could marry it together and build up essentially the full proverbial stack and see how the development track works in tandem with the operations track. Uh, but then once you get past oh, yeah. that college degree, then, then it, the waters are definitely starting to change with public cloud. Because typically the recommendation now is going to be, if you're an ops individual, it's going to be get a, a cloud certification. It's going to be an AWS, an Azure, a GCP. And while those are extremely valuable, I think we miss some of the things that, oh gosh, I don't want to sound like an old guy. It's <laughs> not that old. It's like an experienced, an experienced uh, engineer. Uh, the, the network pluses of the world and the, the CCNA, some of those things where it's not to say that you have to have hardware, but I think there's definitely a value in understanding more of those lower level constructs. Um, as opposed to where I think in a lot of ways, it feels like, like if I remember the, like, let's take the AWS certifications as an example, or the Azure, definitely subnetting is talked about at a high level, but nowhere near to the degree of like, I'm going for a CCNA and I'm understanding subnets and supernets and how to do the actual math and convert from, 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 uh, hexadecimal and binary and all those things to, to actual octets. I, I think those things are missed. I, yeah, no, I, and some of that stuff is really important, even if you're doing ops and you're, you're building reasonable automation, um, right? Under, understanding what those things are. But I, some of that stuff, I think, is very Googleable. Like, there's a lot of just-in-time knowledge that you can get um, from a pro- like to me from a programming perspective now you know there's a lot of stuff I can be like okay I, I, I never remember 
what that is, but I know I can go look it up. Um, but the problem we get to is yeah. the you don't know what you don't know. Is that if, yes, if I have no yes. real remembrance or idea about subnetting or some of these other constructs of routing and in storage and all those pieces, oh. all I know is AWS gives me a VPC and there's some some networking there. I really don't know what all that's about. I just use the the ten dot zero dot zero dot zero and and those things. I think that's, <laughs> it's, I think that's it's an incantation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where we've sort of moved to where, and it's definitely definitely valuable in many ways to the broader industry that that level of complexity or detail has been abstracted. But if I don't know where what was abstracted and how it was abstracted, I start to lose some of that. Similar to as many would argue with those that have started development or programming nowadays, as opposed to yesteryears where you were more concerned about garbage collection and memory management and things like that. Yeah, I, I, but all right. I I don't know if I want to take us off, off track. Cause I, I think some of that, I'm going to take us off track, but I want to get back to the men. Cause I, I do actually, sorry. I'll start forgetting questions. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm seeing us abstract those things away in ways that programmers don't have to worry about either, right? Most, most programmers, you know, maybe just like engineers, you know, you know, like I know the composition of iron and, and how, how you make metal bars. I, would, I don't need that to use metal bars as a mechanical engineer or right? I don't need to worry about memory management um, to your point until I do need to worry about memory. Um, and that's, that's the problem. So I, and I'm hope, what, I, what I'm seeing and what, what you know, frankly we're all trying to do is advance operations to a point where you can spend less time worrying about um, some of the mundane ops pieces and go back to, you know, I push a button and a whole bunch of complex stuff happens. I didn't need to learn it. Um, and then, but there comes the, yeah. the proverbial challenge of can you effectively automate what you don't understand? And I think in many ways, the industry has moved to a point where they think automation engineer and you don't have to understand the actual pieces of what you're trying to do. And, and I think practices like That's that really are, question. are part of the development of junior engineers of understanding. It's like, I'll, if I'm going to automate something, okay, how do I walk through the process first? I'm going to do it manually as off the bat to understand, okay, how is it supposed to work? How does it fit together? Uh, and then I'm going to go through the process of automating. So I mean, definitely things like that um, are part of the, the nurturing and, and mentoring of those that are more junior. And so while the, the automation piece is definitely important, they're still going to have to get that fundamental piece of what's actually going on with the actual system itself. I think that's a key observation, right? If we're going to, if you're bringing up somebody junior and mentoring them, then, well, you need them, you want them to understand that, but they're, they don't, they, they can't start there. Too much knowledge. I mean, yes and no. I mean, definitely, I think it could be done in, and this is where I think it becomes a little bit tricky 
is if it's done in the context of a, a given, let's say, project or given initiative where I can sit with you and we can walk through automating this. And as I'm going through automating it, I can call it, hey, subnet. This is what's going on here from a, a configuration standpoint. So the example I actually have is a couple of years back, mm. I was working with somebody that was junior. We're building out some Terraform. And what he was tasked with was working on subnetting. So he's building out AWS, AWS VPC. So he's building out the subnet part. And so it's figuring out how to slice and dice subnets. And so for me, that was an opportunity. So he was, he was a... Um, more developer than operator. And so for me, that was a perfect opportunity to engage him and say, hey, this is what we're doing from a, talking about as far as subnets and what is a CIDR and all those lower level um, sort of networking constructs and pieces. And so I think there's an opportunity as you're going through a given initiative, given project or whatever, to be able to, to share some of that knowledge as part of the process. Totally agree with that. Would it be helpful if we, for junior people, like had um, curriculum for them? Like, I let me let me ask it this way: because what you're describing to me is a carve out for learning. You're taking a junior person and saying, "I want you to slow down here and learn learn some of the underlying concepts. Don't just plummet together." Um, and. You know, we're always in such a rush. It seems like one of the biggest one of the biggest downsides of ops in general is that we're always behind. We're always in a rush, and we're always understaffed. So we get things working a lot of times. We don't do it with um, the. I'm not sure this is any different for coding, but we don't do it with the, the resilience or robustness that that would be. You know, we we should we would want. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is that part of this training training hurdle? Is it like I can get I can get through my, you know, as a junior, um, I can get through this without understanding the pieces. I'm trying to figure out like where, you know, my expertise was built over time. Um, well, I, I would say it's it's a lot of the a lot of the troubleshooting. So if even if you take let's say something like um, uh, a Terraform as an example, or some automation like Ansible, you're you're at the mercy of DNS resolution. You're at the mercy of networking. You're 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 trying to figure out understand how systems are coming up. You should be dealing with race conditions and and different aspects like that. Uh, so I think more often than not, there's a a buildup of that over time and also being able to understand the the interconnectivity of the systems as uh, I think we had talked about distributed systems and, and I think that's a key component of understanding how they all fit together um, to and I think some ways to a, a slightly lower level than what public cloud offers would be my personal thoughts but Understanding the the public cloud components is definitely a, a good starting point. Yeah, I think I think what you're describing, um, I'm, I'm parsing back the you know you learn when you're troubleshooting it, <laughs> even more than than by built like by building it. Part of development to me is you know it's, you don't write the code the first right first time you write the code you exercise see, you know that's some way what test driven development's about um and i you know i think maybe the answer for mentoring 
in this case is to find as much troubleshooting um, as you can for the, the mentor, the mentees. If that's what's distinguishing a junior engineer from a, a new engineer or a senior from a junior is that, that troubleshooting experience. In some ways, what the seniors need to do is to hand over the troubleshooting. Yeah, because I mean, in, in, you, you, in many scenarios, it's not necessarily that I, I know more, but in aggregate, I do know more, but it's if it goes off of the happy path, what are your options? I have more options available to me than you do at the moment, which is why escalation happens. Well, that was, yeah, I was, I was helping somebody learn a new part of our product yeah, like yesterday, last night. And um, yeah, it was, it was exactly that. It was like, okay, this is, we just went off the happy path. And then, and then all of a sudden you start learning how things really work when you get off that, when you get off the happy path. Like, is, do you think chaos monkeys would be helpful for this? Like actually building chaos monkeys into dev processes more? So I think it's definitely helpful. Um, and I think in many ways having a say public cloud and then having a, a set of pre-canned scenarios, um, whether they were real time being manipulated or destroyed or uh, impacted, or it's literally out of the box, something is not working. Um, I, as the senior engineer, know what is not working. I need you to go through the process of developing your troubleshooting shops, chops to figure out what's going on. And along that way, I can point out certain things from a fundamental standpoint as to, hey, this isn't, this is unable to find this other service. Okay, now let's walk through what's actually supposed to be happening for it to actually resolve that. An interesting, um, philosophy here because i was expecting like how do you mentor new people to turn into um you know a more methodical like oh more classes more one-on-one times like giving them but if it's if it really is as simple as let them troubleshoot stuff great things right um yeah, and that's often how it happens when typically a lot of the most valuable knowledge is gained when I'm able to sit with somebody that's more senior or more skilled at something, understand what their process is, which is why it's always the whole um, really juxtaposition, especially when you like go to conferences and somebody gives a demo and they get done with the demo and it took them, you saw the demo and it was 10 minutes. You didn't see the the whole like three weeks leading up to the demo where they were hacking on things, poking on things, trying to figure out how to get it to work. That's not I, I, I. One of the things I hear in videos is that a lot of times if something goes wrong in a video, people always like it when I fix it in the video. Um, doesn't to me it doesn't make as good uh, video, but it's um, you, know, you 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 learn the troubleshooting. Um, I wish there was a better, like those things you always want so indeterminate. I have trouble cracking open a system and saying, Hey, let me show you how my, my troubleshooting process works. You don't know if it's going to be five minutes or five hours. 
um, when you when you start the process. Sometimes you have a sense, but I mean that's yeah. Some of it's like um, like when when we do we create bugs for new hires. Um, and it's hard to not fix them because you know they're fast, but we, you know, we have a list of these are the, the new hire, get to know the product, fix these, fix, you know, the low lift bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, it's so hard to, you know, not leave something, not fix it, let somebody else go tangle with it. And then you have to give them the time to go tangle. Oh, and, they and have they, to be willing to come in and say, "Hey, I, you know, I, yeah, I wanted the opportunity to go learn how to unbreak something." Mm-hmm. Well, and, and therein lies the the challenge with training people up. Is there, there's often a, a desire to just just fix the thing in regards to the, the trade off of time? Because where I can say, you know, what, I'll just jump in, I'll knock that out in thirty minutes, as opposed to letting the the more junior individual spin. Spend a couple of hours, maybe a day or two, working through the the process. Um, and, and if they're not given that opportunity, they they're not able to develop uh, to the the same degree. Yeah, we are really culturally um, not not well set up for that in in, in daily work life. If something's broken, people are typically in a rush to fix it. Um, yeah, well, some of some of it's going to be cultural, and some of it's just going to be personality. So for me, I'm one of the individuals I, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy sitting with somebody, going through things, however long it takes. There's a lot of people that are just wired to, you know, I I just I'm going to get the work done. Um, I'm going to knock it out, or I don't have time for that. I, I'm concerned about doing my job. And if you figure out things as I go through, that's great. I mean, you see that, see it often when people talk about the NFL with a new quarterback comes in, it's not my job to to mentor or to train the quarterback. I'm doing my job. And if they pick up things, then great. Uh, Hey guys. Uh, Hey Rob. Hey Watson. Um, yeah, I'm just listening in. I, was, I keep uh, looking at the document and seeing that EBPF. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to join for that. Like, always <laughs> figure out which day it is. But I hear we're talking about mentoring. Here's a couple of notes or things. Um, just kind of the, the, the idea between, um, I don't know if you ever heard, like a, a mentoring pyramid. There's training, there's equipping, and then there's mentoring. So differences could be uh, training. Oftentimes, um, the person being trained, they're paid to be, they are paying to be trained in some way. Um, It could be just a regular school, that kind of thing, or whatever, some type of training. Um, uh, Equipping is kind of training plus resources. So uh, you can equip someone maybe on site, that's your employee, whatever, Um, they can, actually be getting trained, but they're also getting, giving the facilities to get work done or whatever. But mentoring is, uh, and the reason why it's a pyramid is that you can train lots of people, you can equip less, and then you can mentor even less. So the idea with this is you really can only mentor a handful of people at a time. And the reason why is that 
mentoring um, is like kind of follows a certain format. It's basically uh, if I'm a mentor, you watch me do it, then I watch you do it, and then you go out and do it in some format like that in, in greater, bigger, and bigger circles. And then on top of that, oftentimes if I'm mentoring you, I'm actually paying you. It's a on the job type training. So I have some way of making it to where through leverage or what have you, I've been able to figure out this kind of work that's actually valuable in the real world and you're going to do it. You're going to watch me do it and it's going to be billable or what have you. It's going to be valuable to some client or someone. And then I'm going to watch you do it, make sure it's still going all the while values being had. And then you're going to be able to go out and do it. So uh, that mm. so it's precious difference between mentoring and training. And you'll find that um, having lots of friends in, ac- in academia and education and talking about mentoring, they often think training and mentoring is the same thing. Uh, other than some people think like mentoring is just better training. It's, or, uh, you know, it's, it's because it's with a more elite person or something like oh. that. Right. Uh, but this way of thinking about it, it really puts a, a much bigger responsibility on the person that's the mentor uh, to the point of you, it needs to be so efficient that something valuable in the real world is happening. It's kind of like a holistic approach, kind of the apprentice and uh, like an artisan, master apprentice, that type of thing, whatever words people use now. So, um, so applies in programming. I'm more on the programming side with DevOps. They would think it's the same thing. It's. Do you think that you can have a mentor type outlook between junior and senior people that's less formalized? Like, does does that make like part of it? There's there's definitely formalized mentoring, which I think you're you're doing a good job of capturing. Um, sort of the need, but also the, the challenge. And then there's the, the um, I'm building, you know, building out an ops team or DevOps team. And I've got my, my senior, you know, been, been there, has all the battle, battle scars for it. And you hire three junior people hoping that you'll help them. That actually might make that the senior person's life miserable. Um, mm-hmm. But then the senior person has to, Train up, right? You have we have to have a deliberate strategy. Um, uh, to me, to me, is mentoring, but maybe from your description, maybe that's not mentoring. Maybe that's no, you could call it mentoring. That I mean, everybody has this problem. So all professional yeah. services have this problem. Uh, there's a book, Professional Services Firm by David Meister. They call it leverage. So basically, there are people who have the ability to help other people learn and actually be billable or you could say billable to professional service or actually be having creating value it isn't the value isn't coming from from the org from someone paying so that would be like an educational facility a boot camp something like that the value is oh this person's paying for some maybe they'll be able to do this in the future and they're not on the hook like hey if you go out there and you've been trained and you didn't learn oh well that's on you mentor it's on the mentor. Like they, you know, they have to make it valuable in real time. Um, yeah, it's not only a thing that um, 
Is it possible less formal? I don't think it's a question of less formal, more formal. It's something that has to be done. This is on the job trade. You're going to either do it poorly or you're going to do it well. That situation happens. There's people who are going to be learning, just economically speaking, period. People learn on the job. And they're going to either be learning and having it be done in a valuable way. So little things have been cut out for them through the mentor. or they're, And maybe they were thrown to the wolves. Go figure it out. And it's super inefficient. Um, the mentor being driven away from or being pulled away, like you were saying, um, the junior uh, DevOps people are, are making the seniors pull his, his hair out because, oh, now I have to pay to these juniors. I have to pay attention to these juniors. I'd be way more efficient if I was doing this thing. Well, the, the, the real gold is the person has the ability to get things done and be able to, you could say delegate, um, but it's that relationship and some, the, it's going to involve something where they're watching that person do it and then he's watching them or she's watching them and then they're going off and doing it, some format of that. So, it, yeah, it's not a question of can't you, you're going to, you have to do it. You're just going to do it poorly or well. Well, I, I think that's, that's the goal for, for this is to be like, what do we do to not do it poorly? Like, yeah. Is there, I mean, there's a degree, you know, you can definitely say, hey, junior people, we're going to spend more time letting you get training or get a certificate certification. Because, um, right, that we were talking about the uh, Red Hat certification, which our yeah. team likes because there's actually trouble. <laughs> we keep coming back to troubleshooting. There's actual troubleshooting and diagnostics and fixing problems in that um, exam. And so if I've got, if I'm a senior person and I have a whole bunch of junior people, you know, maybe, you know, the, the things that are coming out to me after in the conversation are, there's something that needs to be fixed. Don't just fix it, right? Use the, the, the fixing is the number one training opportunity. So you need to structure your team so that you can say, all right, you know, junior person, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't urgent. You know, it's not a system down issue. Let's go fix it. Um, so you're saying Red Hat, the Red Hat cert, and what's the value in that? Or when is, when is it should you pull the trigger and make people go get it? Is that what you're? I, well, I, I think generally we our, my team has been very, um, uh, negative about certification. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't feel like most certifications bring the experience that we're talking about here. They don't they don't help you get the experience. We we have the same like the same like we look at developers and if we look at their portfolio and they're just following classroom examples, we don't we don't score that. Right? That's, they don't get credit for that. They have to work on an independent project where they're going to have you know off script you know, you know, uh, problems to solve, which I think this is what we're looking for for ops. It's like, you, you can follow a, a lab, or you can get a certification. Yay. I'm a certified Terraform certified, whatever. Right. But that doesn't mean that you dealt with, um, you know, an actual, here's the, you know, <laughs> um, I'll give you a real life example from us, right. We, you know, last week, uh, AWS deprecated an API that I didn't realize we were depending on. So a whole bunch mm. of Terraform broke. Yeah, mm-hmm. easy, easy to fix. <laughs> um, 
but at the you know at the same time it's like all right that's that you need to understand when you're dealing with it what's what's actually you know how to fix stuff when it breaks well just kind of pace yeah here's what i'm thinking i'm kind of i i'm looking at it completely the opposite way uh i don't i didn't i honestly i just don't think of that part of it as the true problem the your true problem is you will train that train you will mentor people so good that they will leave and they will get uh, better work uh, that's yeah. your problem the, the problem in all this who well the problem is when you're good enough at communicating you know what people pay for this right here to be fixed and i'm gonna show you how to do it and please don't leave and go <laughs> and get back that's your problem the other thing, who wants to learn and all that, when you communicate to that, they're going to go and learn on their own time. They're going to go read five books on their own time when you show them exactly why it is. But if you want to be manipulative, don't show them why and go uh. train them, go do all that. And I mean, that's the long and the short of it in order to keep it, I mean, being concise, but frank and probably politically incorrect. So <laughs> I, I, that, that's to me what you just hit on is now on the head is the, the danger that people and we do this for, for all the tech fields is we mm-hmm. we do not invest in educating people because we're worried they're going to walk away with the education. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we say it's that's on you. Yeah. I wrote a whole paper you, on this. I call it exploitation and learning. We learned you're oh. you're old enough. You're old enough. You you were in the 90s. Right. Um, right weren't you in the. Uh, like New Orleans, were you coming from New Orleans? I was, I spent some time, I grew up in Baltimore, but I spent 13 years in New Orleans. So yeah, right, right, right. So with, um, cause it's like, I'm thinking about the old surgeon, but, um, yeah. Ah, so okay. yes. yeah, yeah, uh, we were definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you, so you were around in the nineties, right? So in the nineties, yep. People, they were, okay, here's your training, SAP training. Now you're off 300 an hour, gone in, in a month, right? And so everyone learned, don't train anyone, right? And then, right. And this, the, the, the other side of the people don't know about this is there's economic modeling for this, where basically it's kind of game theoretic modeling. So um, um, there's mm-hmm. a, what's the, the name of the book is, uh, the economics of strategy is a very weird book, but it's just an economics book. But there's a part of it was to talk about training, but I borrowed from this a lot. Basically, long story short, they learned how to go, I say they, it's just, you know, corporate culture learned to go from direct training um, to generalized training, right? So it could be, oh, you're learning SAP. So very specific, very valuable out in the world. They're gone. And it doesn't, right. it doesn't, and then you do a general, more of a general training. So it's not SAP or whatever it is, that's hot thing. It's going to be something that helps you, you know, on the, the, the periphery of that uh, kind of thing. So you're not directly marketable. And this again is all not somebody with, you know, in some uh, dark room saying, oh, it's, you know, do it this way. These are the types of managers that emerge. They might not consciously know they're doing it, but they're the ones who stay because they have the least amount of turnover. <laughs> so, 
right? Okay, so it all goes hand in hand, right? Um, yeah. So right. there's a generalized view. Conversation about this. Yep. Right. <laughs> and then, um, and then it goes into uh, the next phase was after the generalized training. It's more. Oh yeah, specific. So it goes back to specific. So specific types of training that's not um, valuable outside of the entity, right? So let's say. Uh, I don't know, some weird project that's specific to IBM business objects or something that nobody uses except for, you know, in a couple places in the country. I don't know. Um, yeah, tra training on that, you know, if it's some type of closed source thing. Um, some training on the actual, the very specific stack that we've developed here. Oh, all day, you know, and then the mentoring can come in that. But this is how, uh, but you can't, you, you don't have the signal, right, as an individual to go out and say, oh, look at this great training I have. No one trains anymore. No one, you know, old school, if you were, you were at IBM or you were at some other big company, it was like, oh, yeah, they train well, so let's hire you those people now. Yeah, yeah, they don't people, train anymore. Yeah, people, and that, would, and that, would, that yeah. used to be loyalty. Now if, people are training. If you're, at, if you're at Google now or <laughs> IBM, it, it's, oh, you are a good interviewer. And you're smart. That's what. That's the signal that you sent. That you went there. Well, you were a good interviewer, and you're smart. It's not that they made you really good while you were there. You were going to be actually, good no matter what. Actually, that's one of the. Go ahead, Oscar. Uh, it, it just got me thinking that since no one trains anymore, uh, that <laughs> task ended up getting delegated to certifications and boot camps. So yeah. uh, my hot take of that would be that uh, certifications or, or the rise of certs and boot camps are a signal, a, a symptom of the training going away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. And you have to pay for it as an individual before the entity would pay for all of it. And now the individuals pay. So the costs have been pushed off further and further I, I understand some people do pay uh some uh businesses do pay for the certs or whatever it's not that much money or whatever um but yeah it's been pushed off but mentoring the kind that i'm talking about you don't have none of those problems of how do you this and that no they know they learn very quickly and they will leave that's the side but you know to to just one more thing ge Historically, uh, the top um, executives from like the 80s and 90s, GE has a whole leadership college and they train their individual um, business uh, unit manager at GE is basically an executive in another entity. And they have some high percentage of executives that just are poached from GE because they train so well and they just right. accepted that this is what's going to happen and not train but mentor so well not just train right so well, um well that's the like the um and that's a strategy for like the accentures and earths and youngs and and those those companies use that as a strategy so they mm -hmm. will bring on fresh outs from college um you know and usually they're they're they pick you know they have like colleges they specifically target and they will bring in a whole bunch of people, train them like crazy. Um, Accenture was like this quite a bit. Um, and 
like send them to like to camp, like a, they have a campus for this. They'll um, work them. They know they're going to leave after two years or, or get promoted. They work them like crazy. Um, but then they know that when they leave, they will much more likely become um, Accenture customers in their new job, right? Or in their, in the future career. And they use it as a, both as recruiting, doing the work. And then also it's a sales pipeline. Mm-hmm. But most, most companies aren't structured like that. Anymore. Well, the thing with the Accenture's, all the professional services and all that is they have a tier model where it's up or out anyways. So, yeah. And for the real side, there's the, I guess, whatever pejorative you want to use, the riffraff or whatever that come in and go. But then there's the people who are moving up and um, they are a certain amount of their, um, you could say pay bonuses, whatever compensation is leverage is the word that they use. How many people can you mentor um, and, and be billable? Mm. Right. And then that's, that's there. There's a, that's a whole skill set of being what we're talking about mentoring, which is your billing. You're able to manipulate this, these tasks in such a way to where junior people can do them. And you think law firms do it. Everybody, all professional services do it and everything still is top notch. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they don't, everybody has, again, they have the problem. The thing is that when you're lower on the totem pole in all these places, you, they, the decision has been made that people are low on the totem pole are going to get underpaid. They're just underpaid for what they, they're solving certain problems that will will definitely uh, get them more on the market. Mm-hmm. And the and every and the whole game is we know you're gonna leave, so we're gonna pay you even less, kind of thing. <laughs> it's that's really bad. I mean, you talk to a lawyer at one of these yeah. bigger law firms; they are broke. They are not getting that's paid. Right. Yeah. No, so, well, I, so this this is what's weird, and we're we're just about out of time. But I, I love yeah. where this went because what we're describing is. Um, and I, I don't think the tech industry is that different than this, although we you know mm-hmm. is that you have there's you have to grind your way through jobs to get the experience. Um, and you know that's happening. So we're we're almost I, and I think Google and Facebook, like the fang companies, actually have this um, uh, reputation now. It's like you need it on your resume. We're gonna grind out. You're going to grind out 80 hour weeks for a couple of years and then go on to a different job, just like junior lawyers or, you know, medical, like, like we have this professional, um, not very healthy, but it's sort of, you know, that, that's, you have to build that experience. Um, boy, <laughs> it's been very, not dark, but I, but I, you know, it's the pattern that we see over and over again is, is that you're going to have to build build that experience? Um, I, I think it's dark. <laughs> I think it's dark. You just yeah. gotta you gotta make a decision as a mentor. What are you going to do? Are you going to not give them everything that makes them valuable out on the market? That basically they're going to be a competitor, or they're just going to jump out and go to some other place that maybe they're better funded than you, so they're going to. Uh, you know, be able to pay money, whatever. 
or are you going to um you know are you gonna or under yeah, basically not train to, them or you're gonna train them and hope that they just the bondage you have with them the bond you have is gonna keep them around you know i've definitely gone through uh both so. That's well. It's it's an up and out. I, I think part of what I'm I think we're saying with this is if you're going to do this model and mentor and bring in junior people where we started and mentor them to improve their skill set, you need you you do actually need to have a you know two x or a three x ratio in mind um, as you mentor. Mm-hmm. And and you know if you're like oh you're the golden child in this. And I'm going to mentor you to become the next senior person. I, I think we're in, you're, you're in for a hard, hard reality, right? You're mm-hmm. going to have to find three people, create a good mentorship program and expect that they're going to wander. They're going to, you're, you're going to lose two of them. <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah. 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 Wow. That's pragmatic. I, I, not the answer I was expecting. That's very pragmatic. Okay. Well, Watson, I I really appreciate you speaking up on this. Um, come back next week because we will do EDTF. Oh yeah, um, super curious about. But um, great insights. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Talk to y'all next week. Yeah. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye. Whether you're a senior person or a junior person just starting out, this was packed with really good insights that you can use to improve your learning as a junior person or how you help junior people learn as a senior person. Either way, we love to hear your voice. Come in, be part of the conversation. Join us at the 2030.cloud. We want to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, 
uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.